Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. I don't know if you know this, but it's almost October. I love October, but man, where did September go, right? So you guys, uh, I just want to remind you where we're going and where we are this year in chapel. I'm going to kind of reintroduce our theme here for a second. Um, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. The mission and the movement of Jesus. That's where we're going to be going this year with chapel. We're going to be spending time talking about the kingdom of God and what that looks like in our lives, what that looks like to lean into that. Um, As Dayton and I um, are speaking um, throughout the year, we're going to be anchored in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be kind of taking Matthew's ordering of, of Christ's life and his teachings on the kingdom of God. And... In the middle of that, we'll be inviting guest speakers to, to overlap with that theme as well. They'll be speaking in with their unique voices on what it means to live in the kingdom of God as citizens of the kingdom. Um, two weeks ago, Dayton talked about uh, the inauguration of the kingdom of God, the beginning of the kingdom of God, and he talked about uh, the, that, that line from, from Matthew, both that John the Baptist speaks and that Jesus himself speaks, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now we begin um, our kind of road on what does life in the kingdom look like? What does life in the kingdom look like? So we're going to spend, Dayton and I, so we'll be spending a lot of weeks on the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And today we're going to begin that with uh, the Beatitudes. So I would love for you to open up your Bible or your Bible app with me this morning to, to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be camped out today. So open that up. While you do that, I'm going to be um, giving you a little context here on what's, what's going on. So, so Jesus is, is he, he, this crowd is gathered around him, um, and at the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins with a prologue, really. It's a prologue, and it's this set of, of, of blessings, pronouncements of blessings here at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. This prologue serves as sort of an attention grabber, right? As sort of a... Um, uh, he's sort of Jesus is coming right out and saying, hey, the kingdom of God is different than you think it is. And that's good news for us, as we'll see this morning. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. If you're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me, be glad and rejoice because your reward is is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Some strange and amazing words from Christ here at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And maybe they're not so strange because to us they're very, very familiar, aren't they? But let's not lose sight of the fact that these words, when Jesus spoke them, were nothing except subversive. 
And what do I mean by that? Well, subversive, meaning Jesus was intending to undermine the power of an established system. An established system. And today I want to explore together how the Beatitudes were subversive, both when he spoke them and how they're subversive still today in our world. So, first, how were they subversive when Jesus spoke them? Well, we get clues by understanding what Jesus was saying and also to whom he was saying it, all right? And so first, let's, let's look at this, who he was talking to, okay? And for that, we're going to back up a chapter, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and following. It says, now Jesus began to go over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, right? And healing every disease and sickness among the people, And then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So here we have crowds following Jesus. And they weren't just crowds of random people. They were crowds of people who were hungry for what Jesus was offering. They saw him healing and they came to him because they needed healing. Okay? They needed healing. Jesus was talking to a crowd of marginalized people. And he was saying very empowering things to these people, very validating things, um, humanizing things. He was humanizing the dehumanized And that'll get you into trouble, won't it? It's true today, and it was true back then. Um, Now, also, I want to look at, um, we know it's subversive because of what Jesus said. Not only who he was talking to, but what was said. So this list of of blessings, um, it differed, you guys, so much from the conventional wisdom and thought pattern of that day. You see, wealth and status... Those were things that were associated with religious authority, with spiritual superiority. So if you were wealthy or if you had status in society, it was assumed that you were blessed by God. And you guys, Christ's Beatitudes in in Matthew 5, they followed this poetic form that would have been really familiar to his listeners. Okay, It was common for rabbis to go around pronouncing blessings on their followers, but Jesus' content in this list differed sharply, sharply. God's kingdom is certainly an upside-down kingdom. So here's an example. So there was, um, there was a man uh, also named Jesus, 150 years before Christ. He was a Jewish scholar, um, Jesus ben Sira. And 150 years before Christ, he had his own list of blessings, his own sort of beatitudes, And I want us to take a look at these for a second. He says, I can think of nine whom I would call blessed and a tenth whom my tongue proclaims. Blessed is the man who delights in his children and the one who lives to see the downfall of his enemies. Blessed is the one who lives with a sensible wife and the one who does not plow with ox and ass together. Blessed is the one who does not sin with the tongue and the one who does not serve an inferior. Blessed is the one who finds a friend, and the one who speaks to an attentive audience. I like that one the best, the one who speaks to an attentive audience. 
and, well, and the sensible wife one, that one's, oh, and the kids one, actually, delights in his children. Uh, these all sound good, and they're, they're, they're good, okay? Don't get me wrong. These, these, aren't, these aren't wrong or really any, in any sense. Um, and this, I think, though, this, this, this sort of um, gives us a picture into what the, the thought of the day was. But I want to point out a couple things. First of all, well, delight in his children, okay? So, like, blessed is, is the one who, who's, who's, whose kids always behave, <laughs> Blessed in the, is the one who lives to see the downfall of his enemies. So I guess, I, guess it's, I guess it's saying blessed is the one who is victorious. Victorious in battle, militarily speaking. Victorious in, 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 a, in an argument. The one who wins. Blessed are the winners. And a little further down. Blessed is the one who does not serve an inferior. Okay, it's, it's blessed to be at your right spot in society. So on this backdrop, you guys, Christ's words, you can see, were sounding pretty radical. Pretty radical. Completely reversed, really, from the kingdom, uh, from the, the, the common wisdom of the day, and where God's favor was associated with wealth and status and power. Jesus was flipping that on its head. Also check this out. These are Beatitudes in Matthew 5. They say, um, blessed are. Blessed are the poor. Now, there is, there is some uh, future tense in there. For, you know, there's that they will inherit. They will. But also, blessed are. Present tense. For theirs is the kingdom. Okay? So, the blessing we receive from God in his kingdom, they're not a reward for faithfulness. They're not something we're going to receive even in the future. It will be brought to fullness in us um, as, we, as we march forward in time, but, but they're not primarily a blessing. It's for now. The blessing is for now, while we're going through the hardships. Imagine Jesus saying that to a crowd of people in need of healing, a crowd of people who were marginalized. The blessing of the kingdom is yours now while you're enduring. He was communicating something very important about, about the kingdom of God and about who most easily receives it and participates in it. He was saying, you who society has pushed aside, you who society has, has disregarded, you have true value. You have beauty. You have Worth. It's kind of like, kind of like this, friends. Um, I love coffee. Does anybody love coffee? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I love more than coffee, though. If I'm honest with myself, I love more than coffee. I love well, Jesus. Yeah, I love Jesus more than coffee. <laughs> I love coffee shops more than coffee. Is anybody in that boat with me? Anybody just love like? Yeah, there's a few of us. I mean, I love coffee, but I love coffee shops. Now, here's a picture of one of my favorites. Um, anybody been here? A couple of us. This is Spy House. Anybody know the, which location this is? Yeah, the one in Northeast, 10, 15 minutes from here, right? Um, we're going to show a picture of what it looks like on the inside in a second. But first, the next picture... This Spy House coffee shop is in a building that used to be like a mattress factory. 
okay? Um, it was, and it's, the, it's like 100, 110 years old. 110 years ago, they were making mattresses in that building, okay? Um, and I don't know if, about you, but if I were working in a mattress factory, I would totally want that hat and that outfit as well. Um, but it was the Landonad mattress factory, and it was that for a long, long time, and then that building um, housed a paper company for a while, um, and, and that's what it was. And then um, this, this second picture here is, is, is about the, the 70s, early 80s maybe, and the building had become a little bit... Um, a little bit underused and undervalued, and, and with a lot of warehouses in that neighborhood in our cities, um, industry sort of marched on, and a lot of the, the shells of buildings were left behind. And if you know anything about Northeast, it's been it's been kind of had a it's kind of had a renaissance over the last uh, couple decades. And for this building as well, there were some real estate investors, some architects who saw something disregarded, and they saw the beauty in it. They saw the potential for value in it, and, and they saw its worth, and they gave it a new identity. Let's take a look at that last picture. This is the, this is the inside of, of Spy House, and, and when you walk in, it just, it just gives you a big hug with warmth. It's like this, this really cool industrial um, vibe, and it's, it's just beautiful. It's really a work of art that you can walk in and sit in and, and, and drink coffee in. But those investors, those architects, they saw, well, there's true beauty here. Let's not disregard this. There's true beauty here. And those, in, those who society disregarded in Jesus' day were regarded by Jesus as valued, as important, as the ones with whom he would build something beautiful, the kingdom of God. Now, I'm asking myself this morning, and maybe I'd invite you to ask yourself, should these Beatitudes have been so radical at the time? Should they have been? Well, I'm going to say, really, they shouldn't have been to the original audience or to us. We should not be surprised because Jesus certainly is staying true to himself. Okay? God is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. But I imagine this crowd of hearers who are gathered around listening to the Sermon on the Mount. They're, maybe they're, they're walking home later that evening and they're mulling over all of Jesus' words, right? And it kind of starts to dawn on them, oh yeah, you know, we, we've heard this before. We've heard this before. And it's true. I want to take a couple of examples from the Beatitudes, and, and I want to look back at parallel verses in, in the Old Testament. So first of all, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We can look at Isaiah 66, okay? This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. That word submissive can also be um, uh, translated broken. Okay, humble, broken in spirit. Or what about blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, we can look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go uh, to a house of feasting, since that is the end of all mankind, and the living should take it to heart. Grief is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be glad. Now, kudos to the CSB committee for making that really uh, rhymey there at the end, but it's true. It's true. Because grief has this refining effect on us, right? It makes us understand our need for God. Any of us in this room today who've, who've experienced grief, we know that. We, we, we don't want to know that, but we know that. 
It, it helps us understand our need for God, and it helps us to understand the suffering of others. Um, blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth, right? Um, humble can also be translated meek. Um, the earth here can also be translated the land, okay? Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the land. Psalm 37, for the evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. But the humble will inherit the land when they enjoy abundant prosperity, and the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently. Now, you guys, this should make us think about um, the whole history of Israel, right? The very redemptive plan of God has always involved possession of the land, okay? He has always been involving God's people um, in stewarding and in ruling the land, and, and, and this is pointing to our co-reigning in the kingdom of God when, when Jesus says these words. Um, let's look at one more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now remember the word righteousness is very, very closely linked with the word justice, for they will be filled. We go to Job. I clothed myself in righteousness, and it enveloped me. My just decisions were like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I examined the case of the stranger. And I love these words, hunger and thirst, right? Um, these words would have had very significant poignancy to those who had gathered that day. You know, they included the poor, the marginalized, um, hunger and thirst. Basically, Jesus is saying those who long for the kingdom of God and its values will be blessed, will be filled, will be satisfied. So, Jesus' words were subversive then, but you guys, they're subversive now, in a sense, in the sense that they're extremely countercultural. And again, we're familiar with these words, this, this list of blessings, and so maybe that doesn't, maybe they don't, as we read them today, turn our lives upside down. But let's remember that, that our culture has certain values, and they are not what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 5. Our culture um, really is characterized by a pursuit of pleasure, isn't it? Avoidance of pain. It's all about me. My value is in what I can produce. My worth is measured by my wealth. The goal of life is to, is to gain power and status and fame and security. So if these things were ultimately true, you guys, I think we'd really be needing a different list of blessings for modern day life. These, these aren't written anywhere, but I've come up with a list. The Beatitudes of our life and times might sound something like this. Blessed are the rich, for they'll enjoy a life of security and self-sufficiency. Blessed are the attention grabbers, for they'll be the influencers. Blessed are those who look after themselves, for they'll, they'll be set up for success. Blessed are the comfortable, for their life is going to be easy. Blessed are those with social capital, for they have a safety net. Blessed are those whose political interests are represented, because they'll be seen and heard. Blessed are those who have privilege, for their place in society is elevated. Blessed are those who conquer, for they will gain status. Is anyone feeling more at home with this list, if you're honest with yourself? For me, I struggle because I know that's sometimes true for me. 
is that list makes so much more sense with how I live my life and how those around me live our lives. I want to ask this question to get us thinking. So what do we do in light of all this? How do we live in this kingdom of God where it's, it's arrived and yet it's not here in its fullness? We live that, our life in that overlap moment, don't we? Where the kingdom of God is here and yet we're still very influenced by the cultural values of our time. And so here's, here's just three suggestions for us this morning. First is just be aware of it. Live your life aware of that truth, okay? The way of the kingdom is so different than the way of this world. And as we're aware, we can start to take more notice and ask honest questions of how our thoughts and our feelings and our actions and our relationships, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, and we can ask ourselves, are these things being driven by the world's values or the kingdom's values? Second uh, thing I'd like you to take with you this morning, it's not a list of virtues, okay? The Beatitudes are not a list of virtues. Now, there's virtuous things in there, yes, good things. But it's not a list of virtues in the sense that we should strive after them to attain them. It's more about awareness. It's more about awareness of our need. The Beatitudes should shine on us like a, like a mirror and help us to understand our own motivation, our attitudes, Right? These shouldn't be read as, as a list of commands or imperatives. Instead, they're a description of how the kingdom of God works. The kind of heart posture that God values most. And as you grow in intimacy with Jesus, um, take notice because he's going to align your will and your values with his kingdom values. Third, last reminder for you this morning. Um, Know who you are and know what is yours. As we look at this list of blessings, it tells us something about who we are. It tells us something about who we are and what is ours. Okay, so if you're feeling poor, for us in this room today, anybody who's feeling poor in a world that idolizes wealth, there's good news. There's good news for you. Are you mourning? Are you mourning today when others around you are chasing pleasure? Are you feeling weak because you strive to be humble in a world that grabs power? Have you been on the receiving end of injustice? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are you longing for things to be made right in this world? Are you filled with empathy and compassion in a world that looks out for itself? Are you working to create peace, shalom, wholeness in a world that's broken and divided? Have you been persecuted? Have you been disregarded, pushed aside because of your faith? If any of that is you, there's really, really good news for you. Because you are blessed. You're blessed. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You'll be comforted by, by the infinite, all-loving creator of the universe who knows you better than anybody else knows you. You'll inherit the earth. You'll receive the blessing of, of getting to eternally dwell in your true home where you were made to be. And I'm not just talking about when you die. 
The kingdom is here. You'll be filled. You'll be satisfied by the one who in this, who, who, who in this world could possibly truly satisfy you. Only Christ. You'll be shown mercy. Welcomed by the God who has paid the price to win you, to win your heart. You will see God. You'll see him. Maybe, you've, you, maybe you feel like you've spent most of your life wondering where he is or what he looks like. Maybe you've longed to see his face. You will see God, believer. You're called God's child. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You belong with him. The kingdom of heaven is yours. We're going to have a little time of reflection. And let's use this time of, of, of music just to, just to sit where we are and, and, and think about the lyrics. I believe it's maybe a new song for many of us. But let's let these lyrics be a prayer for us here this morning as we're led in this time of response. Amen. Amen.